welcome back to the Center Pass podcast brought to you by Netball Draft Central. My name is Sophie Taylor and as always I'm joined by Taylor Melky. How's it going Tay? I'm very good today Soph. Lots and lots to talk about. There has been some great netball action and it's going to be another enthralling weekend as well. Yes, yeah, so much has happened over the last week. Obviously, we had the preliminary final for the Suncorp Super Netball on Saturday afternoon. A huge match there. So much to talk about. We've got the grand final coming up this week, an all-new South Wales grand final, which is quite nice and quite fitting with the situation that New South Wales is in at the moment with COVID. It's a nice little rerun of the Vixens winning last year. So at least we can guarantee that people in New South Wales will get some joy on the weekend in the huge grand final. And then later we'll briefly touch on a heap of changes in the ANZ Premiership. But first, let's take a look at the prelim final. It was a huge, huge matchup between the Giants and the Fever. The Giants ended up pipping the Fever at the post 64-61. Tay, what did you think? This was just an absolutely stellar performance by the Giants. However, they will probably look back on that scoreboard and be a little bit disappointed that they weren't able to run out a consistent four-quarter effort. We see that they won the first three quarters quite well and then fell away in the final and you know the third quarter is touted as the premiership quarter but you don't want to leave it you don't want to kind of rest all your hopes on on that especially with how strong the fever came home but disregarding that final quarter from the fever if you look at the Giants as a whole it was just an incredibly defensive effort and it was the midcourt for me that stood head and shoulders above the fever midcourt we saw the copious amount of changes that happened and the fever looked like they were in all sorts of trouble and the fact that the combination between Verity Charles and Janelle Fowler was under so much pressure I should say is just a full credit to the work that Amy Parmenter, April Branley, Sam Pullman, Jamie Lee Price were doing just to continuously uh, just block the space. It was great to see. It was just It was almost as if they beat the fever at their own game. Yeah, the thing that was most remarkable to me about this Giants effort was it was almost like a team we haven't seen this season. And we've seen glimpses of it. We've seen it when the Giants almost beat the fever way back early on in the season. I think it was round five or something, five or six or something like that. We've seen patches of this brilliance, but we haven't quite seen it in the full four quarters. And even though this match, the fever did come out with the fire in the belly in the last quarter, that did not um, kind of get in the Giants' head the way that it has in other rounds. They were just monumental. I mean, you look at the work rate of Sam Pullman, and I've never been the biggest fan of Pullman because of just the way she goes about her game, but that was the perfect game plan to take down Janelle Fowler. You could tell from the opening center pass, Fowler caused a, I mean, she missed a shot on the first um, attempt and she caused multiple um, offensive contacts. And that just goes to show the impact that Pullman had on Fowler's ability to play her own game. And it was so impressive. She didn't necessarily have to move a lot. She was just kind of blocking Fowler and putting all this doubt in the feeders' minds. And like you said, that impact of Verity Charles just didn't seem to be there. She started out in wing attack, moved out into centre because she couldn't quite get the space that she needed. And that was credit to uh, Aby Parmenta. She had an absolutely stellar game. And same with April Brandley. Brandley didn't necessarily have a huge game on the stat sheet, 
but her ability to shut down Teague Neild and intern Sasha Glasgow too and then open up vision for Pullman to do her job it was a it was just an impeccable defensive effort from the group and it also goes to show just how important pre-work is if that makes sense so we we often you know really praise players for the performance they put out on court but this was a testament to the homework that each and every player in that defensive unit did and it was a clap or uh, you know pat on the shoulder because you could see that they had gone through vision and they put in the work and they had systems and game plans and strategies in place and if something wasn't working they had a plan b and in the past as you touched on Soph the Giants haven't necessarily been able to go into that plan b they kind of get caught up in that physical nature of the game and that was well and truly not happening out on court and That's a real warning shot now to the Swifts heading into this grand final for the Giants to be able to showcase that we do have the capacity to shut down someone like Janiel Fowler who averages, what, 60 goals a game. And and for each and every player to be able to play their job so effectively was just full credit to them. One player I would love to chat about again is Joe Harton. I think... For me personally, she is the heart and soul of that team. She is their spiritual leader out on court. And when I was listening to the huddles and watching, the way that she spoke was just so inspiring. And we speak about Kate Maloney and the fact that she is such an influential leader and you know, really rallies the troops. Well, you can argue the same thing here for Harton because you could see that each and every player wanted to do the job, not only for Harton, but for themselves. And she really instilled that belief in them. And one thing that stood out for me was the fact that she said, when we win ball back, it's seven players in attack. And you could see that because as you touched on, they opened up vision in defense. You know, they allowed each and every player to go out and find that space. And they had a real sense of calmness and a real level of composure, which we haven't seen from the Giants before. And just, it was a solid performance. And then to think about someone like Sophie Dwyer, who is 19 and slotted 25 goals from 28 attempts is just beyond me because she played with wisdom beyond her years and I couldn't believe it. I was just like, how is she 19? And how weird is this year to think that if someone, if Kira Austin hadn't have been injured, we would never have seen the amazing skill set that Sophie Dwyer has. Yeah, absolutely. Well, just kind of piggybacking off what you were saying about Joe Harton, she well and truly won that battle against Courtney Bruce. Um, and Harton and Dwyer, to their credit, they, I mean, there's no doubting their goaling prowess. They've been so good across the season and Harton in past seasons too. But something they've kind of not lacked, but has been shaky at times is their accuracy and consistency. And in this game, that wasn't an issue. It was, it was almost a non-issue. If they missed a shot, they got on with the job rather than overthinking it. They didn't take as many long range shots and that gave them a little bit more security on the uh, going to post and they didn't need to. And um, looking at Fowler in comparison, she went for six two point shots because she had no other answers. And to her credit, she sunk four of them. So like, and that's just crazy even for her. But you, you already briefly mentioned that Fowler shoots upwards of 60 goals a game. She was kept to just 41. She was unable to have anything her own way. I think it was that first quarter. Um, she was kept to just 10 goals. And it was just a real um, testament to the 
amount of pressure that was piled on and that wasn't just that one-on-one pressure from Pullman it was the pressure all down the court where the Fever were going minutes and minutes without having a goal scored so when the ball did get into Fever's hands in the circle it was like I have to shoot this because otherwise the ball's going back up there we're gonna lose and so that pressure was just so impressive but um, like I was saying before Courtney Bruce just did not quite have it in her against Joe Harton in this game, which I was really surprised about. Usually she's that one who kind of sparks her side into action. And she did finish off the game fairly well. She finished off with five um, gains and an intercept. So it wasn't a quiet game per se, but it wasn't the game-changing um, effort that the Fever needed her to have. And even Sunday, Ariang was a little bit shaky. Francis Bayman started off really, really well in wing defence and then kind of petered off towards the end. It was just kind of a lacklustre game from the Fever overall. And you can't afford that in any game against the Giants, let alone a prelim final. It was very interesting because you could see that the Fever were crying out for a leader. They were yeah. crying out for someone to really step up to the plate. And you ne- mentioned already some great names. You've got the likes of Courtney Bruce, who has showcased time and time again, not only for the fever, but the diamonds, her ability to and tenacity to just change the course of a game within a heartbeat. And then you look at someone like Verity Charles, who is that real energizer bunny, and she was well and truly shut down. And the linchpin in Janelle Fowler couldn't get her game up and running. And so with those three key cogs kind of out of use or out of kilter, then it left the fever wondering and and lackluster as you said because they weren't able to generate that usual momentum and just general ball speed and I think also if you're looking at that matchup through the midcourt with Jamie Lee Price and Jess Anstis for a little bit Price has just gone from strength to strength this season and she really showcased that endurance and just smarts to reposition and constantly be that uh both offensive and defensive pressure, which the Giants needed. And then you look at someone like Maddie Hay, who had to, you know, go through a different, a couple of different op- opponents. She had uh, son, or she had, sorry, Jess Anstis and Stacey Francis Bayman on her at times. And she did not look phased at all by it because she was just so clinical with balling hands. So it was a very interesting performance from both sides and, you kind of have to hope that the Giants didn't peak too early and that they didn't play their grand final this week defeating the Fever and that they are able to continue on this trajectory when they take on the Swifts this weekend. Yeah, I agree with that. I I was also going to touch on Maddie Hay because she just had such an impressive game and proved kind of the importance of being a defensive-minded player in an attacking position. She was one of those players who, she only finished with one gain, one intercept, and it was a, an excellent one to her credit, but she did have two deflections that didn't result in gains for the Giants. And But even though they didn't necessarily get that ball back when she went for it, it put doubt in the mind of the fever. Every time they were going for that cross-court ball or that long ball, they had to be worried about Maddie Hay, even though she wasn't playing a defensive position. And that's something that is really valuable for the Giants and is certainly something they're going to have to bring into this next game against the Swifts because we know how powerful their midcourt can be. But if Maddie Hay can continue on this trajectory, she's had an excellent season. If she can t- continue that, I have no doubt that the Giants will be able to 
just continue to score quickly and effectively the way they did on the weekend. It puts her in really good stead for Diamond's contention as well. She was named in the development squad, but you know if she continues to hone in her craft, then it looks even better and she's proving that she is able to stand up in those big moments and look really unfazed by everything that's thrown at her. So it's going to be a great clash. Just quickly before going on to that grand final preview, We'll just quickly touch on the fact that it was Stacey Marinkovic's last game as coach. Um, Obviously, she is the Diamonds coach now. And initially, she had planned to share the roles. And clearly, it's come to a point where she's like, no, if if we want Diamond success, that's something she has to focus on. So um, very sad for the Fever group. Obviously, she's been a huge um, part of their club for a number of years now and really led them up the ladder in the last couple of seasons. So definitely a big loss there. It's a huge loss, but now it's going to be even more interesting to see what happens because they're on the hunt for the new for a new coach. And not only that, though, the signing period is going to be even more intriguing because majority of the players' contracts are up for grabs. So it will be interesting to see whether or not a new coach brings a new flavour. And I think... That's not only just looking at the fever, but the entire Suncorp Super Netball as a whole, because there are so many moving pieces at the moment. But with a new coach, does that bring a new perspective on players? And, you know, does that bring more international flavor or more Aussie flavor? Anything is possible. Yeah, definitely very interesting. One of the names that has been thrown up around the grounds is Dan Ryan. Obviously, he coached the Adelaide Thunderbirds for a few seasons, headed over to the Vitality Netball Super League in the UK, coached the Leeds Rhinos and had an excellent season in the UK there. He has announced this week that he is returning home, Um, obviously factoring in that Danelle Wallam has also um, returned home. She's not playing with the Rhinos this season. And I mean, this is another one that that has kind of people wondering with uh, Caitlin Bassett heading back to Australia, will the three of them all kind of reunite in fever? I don't know how likely it is, um, given I reckon Seabass will be looking for something fresh. Um, but certainly a couple of questions posed there. That's the most exciting thing, isn't it? That there are so many questions that can be posed and so many hypotheticals and issues, not issues, but so many possibilities that could arise. I think it will be interesting to see whether or not Dan Ryan and Danelle Wallum become a bit of a power duo and then they they team up and go somewhere together or whether it is a, a split type of situation because clearly the pair showcased what, they could do over in with the rhinos and you know she really flourished under that type of leadership so that will be interesting to see whether or not Wallum continues that uh, connection or if it's just going to be opportunity based and clearly you know there's a few bits and bobs up for grabs here there and everywhere especially now Sherelle McMahon has left the Vixens whether or not Dan Ryan picks up a position there or you know there's just so many options. Yeah, there really are. Well, we'll head over to the grand final now. This is going to be a huge match. Obviously, we just saw the pre-match of it a week ago in the um, first semi-final, the major semi-final. The Swifts only won by the one goal in that match, and that was credit to the Giants just not giving up. And I think this, realistically, I do think that these are the two top teams of the season. Obviously, Fever did have a really good run, but consistency-wise, and even though they did drop a couple of probably easy games per se, I think 
the Giants and the Swifts are the best two teams this season. They've just continuously proved that. Yeah, I definitely agree with that sentiment, Soph, because you look at it and you can see that the two teams have showcased that real grit and determination throughout the year. And it's going to be really exciting and give something for New South people in New South Wales to watch and cheer about because it's going to be a really great clash between the two sides. It also adds to that extra little bit of rivalry and you can never go wrong with a bit of state rivalry um, because it, it gives gives people something to cheer about and something to complain about but as you touched on before these two teams are very familiar with each other they played what two weeks ago thereabouts and the Giants came off second best and you can just imagine that they're going to have that fire burning in the belly so they've made it to a grand final and they know what it feels like to lose and they don't want to be in that position again they've had so many opportunities where they have that have gone missing essentially where they could have built on performances and could have gone on to win finals and they haven't. So this is their chance now. And to be honest, I think that the Giants have it in them to be able to string together a really big win here because we saw just how close they got against the Swifts and they will not let that happen twice. Yeah, definitely. I think the real test here is going to see, like you kind of touched on earlier, whether the Giants haven't already played their grand final last week. And that is the real question because you look at someone like Pullman, that's easily the best game she's played this season against Fowler last week. Sam Wallace is a completely different kettle of fish. She's not that much shorter than um, Fowler is, but she plays a completely different game. She's a lot more mobile. She's a lot more... um, Aerial. Yeah, aerial and movement-oriented and shares, even though she doesn't necessarily share the load with Helen Housby, they share the circle a lot better um, and in a very different way to the way that the Fever play their game. And I think that's something that if the Giants don't adjust to that straight away, the Swifts are going to be able to get that away from them. My only issue is... We've spoken a bit about how Housby isn't necessarily the most consistent player. And I think, uh, well, this season in particular, and I think that's something that the Swifts will need to keep an eye on. She needs to be at her best to win this game. She, I think she um, had a huge start against them last time. Yeah, she shot seven goals from eight in that first quarter and then finished with only 11. So if Housby can have that same impact, but kind of string it along the full four quarters, I think the Swifts are going to be a huge, huge buffer for the Giants. Yeah, she really hit her straps last game that they played. And that was just, you could see that April Branley almost didn't know how to negate her in that opening quarter because she kept getting caught in no man's land, hedging her bets between whether she had to double back on Uh, I was going to say Fowler, whether she had to double back on Sam Wallace or try and put in the hard yards against Housby and Housby just took that and ran with it. So like you said, so if the Swifts are able to unlock Helen Housby at her full potential, then they're going to be incredibly hard to stop. But up the other end, we do see that the Giants have that rotating connection with Dwyer and Harton. I don't think that Harton is necessarily going to go down without a fight and That's going to be a really interesting game because we've seen both styles of her play in the recent finals. So she's adapted that holding holding shooter or she's adapted the moving goaler. And it will be interesting to see which uh, method she brings to the fore in this contest because I personally think that Sarah Clough is a really good match for her because she can go toe-to-toe with her in either way. So it's going to come down to whether or not 
Harton is able to rise above that and really spur the side on. Yeah, the other thing for me in that goal circle is we know how powerful Sophie Dwyer can be, but against the Swifts last time, Maddie Turner had her number. And Turner, again, hasn't quite been the most consistent this season, but when she's been on, she has been on. Her hands over pressure is invaluable for the Swifts. And that's something that really appeared to get in Dwyer's head. She shot 18 from 27. So again, not necessarily a bad number, but um, certainly something that the Giants will have worked on this week, um, getting ready for this grand final, because that's something where they have such recent history against the team. They can actually really use this and use especially that second half. I think the Giants won um, by five goals in that second half, and that was how they were able to get that one goal deficit at the end of the game. Um, I think they could really, really test the Swifts. But who obviously... Both teams have all these superpowers. Who do you think is going to win and who do you think will be player of the match? Oh, you're putting me on the spot here. <laughs> uh, I'm going to go with the Giants and okay. I'm going to say that it's going to be Amy Parmenter because the game that she put in against Verity Charles, Emma Kosh, everyone she had to yeah. come up against last week for the Fever is was just phenomenal and I think if she is able to maintain and continue that trajectory in this game it's going to really shut down the Swifts and we've seen just how much they rely on that wing attack role to be up and firing whether it be Maddie Proud, Paige Hadley, Nat Haythorn Thwaite or even Taylor Fraser so I think Palmy's going to have her hands full but if she is able to negate either one of them, then it's going to work well and truly in their favour. What about you, Soph? So I'm actually going to go the opposite. I'm going to go Swifts because they do have that winning mentality behind them. They have won a grand final before and it was with a lot of the same group. The other reason is uh, Maddie Proud didn't get to play in that grand final and I think they'll be coming in wanting to reward her for being able to get back to full fitness and um, following her injury during 2019, I think that that's going to be something the Swifts really bring into this game because you know the the Giants, they hold off on all of their emotion until the last minute. The Swifts use that emotion all throughout the game to bring themselves into it and I think that's something that will really push them forward. And if the Swifts win, I do think it will be Maddie Proud that um, wins player of the match or Sam Wallace, but I think it will be Proud. Interesting that we both went for uh, mid-quarters. Nine yeah. times out of ten, it is a goaler of some sort that wins a player of the match. But anything is possible in this crazy type of year. Exactly. Well, obviously, a huge, huge match coming up this weekend. Saturday afternoon, I'm fairly certain it's 3 p.m. Um, that's when most of the others have been, 2.30 p.m. So definitely switch that on on Saturday afternoon if you're around. Uh, before we head off, we'll quickly touch on a heap of changes in the ANZ Premiership over the last week. We'll quickly go through all of the changes first and then go on to the Magic because the Magic has so many. So, <laughs> Tay, do you want to start us off with the non-Magic changes? Okay, well, here we go. Let's go. <laughs> They just put me on the spot here. So we've got a couple of changes which are quite exciting. So if you take a look at the Northern Stars, they will see the return of Kayla Johnson or Kayla Cullen. Most will probably know her as Kayla Cullen. She did play with the Swifts for a little bit uh, prior to announcing her pregnancy. So she'll be joining the likes of Anna, Hanna, ha Anna Harrison, who is returning once again. 
And then Holly Fowler has made the switch from the Magic to the Stars. So that's going to be a really solid uh, defensive lineup for the Northern Stars who missed out on finals this season and will be ruining that missed opportunity. And then they do say goodbye, however, to Monica Faulkner. So Monica Faulkner has switched over to the Northern Mystics. So the Northern Mystics have said goodbye to a, a one of their goalers. But as Soph touched on, we'll go through that with the magic because it is Bailey Mez that has moved on. Uh, who else am I forgetting, Soph? Uh, we've had a heap of confirmation sign in the back end for the Mystics. Um, Phoenix Kartika, Michaela Sokolich-Beetson have both signed on coming back from uh, injury and pregnancy. Um, and then Suli Fitzpatrick has also signed on. Obviously, the Mystics just won a premiership, so they have plenty pushing them into next season and they have just signed so many huge names. Um, the other one who's also joined that group is Claire O'Brien from uh, I think she's originally from Sydney. She played for the Swifts and the Giants as a training partner. Yeah, and she also played with the Mystics throughout this season. So yeah. they've clearly just elevated her on, which is a, a great move for them and very exciting to see her continuing to ply her craft. Uh, then if we have a look at the Pulse lineup, they have... They've got the services of Tamalisi Fakahakatao. She's a little bit of a traveller as of late, so she's won from the Tactics in 2020. Their magic in 2021, and then now she is signed on with the Pulse this year. So that's a really interesting move on her behalf, and it's going to be exciting to see what she offers to that defensive unit. I think it's the best time now to head into the magic list. Yes. So obviously they finished at the bottom of the ladder this season. They only got one win on the board, and that was in round one. So that's kind of disappointing. Um, the confirmation, which we already briefly touched on, that Seabass is not signing back on to the magic. Um, so that is obviously a big loss, but they've bolstered that by signing Ekinazio, who um, it is confirmed that she did receive a contract from Pulse and chose not to go with Pulse, which is very interesting. So Ekinazio is headed to the Magic. Bailey Mez is headed to the Magic from the Mystics. Claire Kirsten has headed from the Pulse. Yeah, as you touched on, Soph, there's a whole heap of changes, but it, this is the concerning part for me for example, is the fact that at the end of last year, heading into this season, the Magic also went through a whole heap of changes and then the outcome yeah. was the same. And I'm not saying that that is going to be the same case here, but it is interesting to see the high player ro rotation because they acquired the services of uh, Caitlin Bassett and then they got Kiara Semple and they got Tamalisi Fakahakatao. So they pulled in all of these really big names but then they weren't able to necessarily convert on the scoreboard. So it will be interesting to see what happens here because Amelia and Ekinazio and Claire Kirsten clearly have a really strong connection. So for me, this kind of implies that Ekinazio gets the start in goal attack, Kirsten gets that start in centre, and then potentially Sam Winders goes back to that more traditional wing defence role. So it will be interesting to see how they progress forward and obviously... Oh, I say that Ekinazio gets the starting goal attack, but they also have Bailey Mez. So the two of them are clearly quite versatile. And then you throw in the fact that they have youngster Kiana Williams. So there are so many things that are happening out in that team. It's going to be very interesting to see what happens. Yeah, definitely. And I think we've spoken a lot in the past in, in older seasons of the podcast where it's almost like teams are trying to cut straight past the rebuild phase and go into the winning phase. And 
a lot of the time we see that teams like that aren't successful in their first year because they aren't able to generate those connections. And I mean, we've seen it with the Thunderbirds. This season they started um, generating those real, real connections, but last season they still weren't able to do that, even with those big gets and even if some of them came two years ago. And so for the Magic to kind of throw out these potential combinations. I mean, we saw how good Kiana Williams was all season. And you look at two of the Ferns players in Ekinazio and Mez and what happens to Williams in that scenario? Does she go back to, I think she was traditionally a goal shooter. So does she kind of take that goal shooter role and maybe share it with Mez or share it with Ekinazio? There's just a lot of questions, I think, that can be posed around the magic changes. And I'm kind of one of those people who likes to see those connections grow over a couple of seasons because that's where we see the real development and the real um, proof in the pudding, so to speak. So some very, very interesting changes happening there because, yeah, I I don't quite understand why you would get a player for one season and then kind of go, oh, no, we'll let them head off somewhere else now. It's a very interesting move. And then if you also look at that, you look at the midcourt, it is a very defensive midcourt. So there's still yeah. one player that has to be announced. And um, my guess would be that it would be a wing attack of some sort because there hasn't been anyone named that does that traditional wing attack role, as we clearly mentioned, Claire Kirsten, centre wing defence, and then same with Sam Winders, uh, centre wing defence. So you, the wing attack position is crying out for someone to be named there. Yeah. So it will be interesting to see whether or not Grace Carter signs on and whether she or not she has been offered a position there because she crossed from the Stars at the end of last year to the Magic this season. So it's going to be a very intriguing time. And I will say, though, it does make it interesting looking at the season ahead because there are some huge player shakeups, especially if you're looking at the Pulse lineup to compare how many players have now left that team that had was that were back-to-back premiers and now they're just a shell of the team that they used to be. Yeah, that's something definitely worth keeping an eye on given the fact that Pulse have reverted back to that same premiership winning coach now. Um, that's certainly something given... Like you said, the Pulse have had so many player changes over the years and some of them were forced, thinking of Rore and Ekinazio with pregnancy, and some of them are where players have been like, no, I need to leave for better opportunities, like Metuado, and now obviously she's returning. But I don't quite see how the the premiership winning coach returning to a completely new group will necessarily help them um, continue pushing forward for another premiership. So definitely some very, very interesting things happening over in the ANZ premiership at the moment. It's going to be a very exciting year of netball ahead of us. And that's, you know, looking ahead to next year, we've got (laughs) a couple of months still before the ANZ premiership season will kick off again. Definitely. Well, I think that's all we've got time for on this week's episode of the Centre Pass podcast. As always, thank you so much for listening. Follow us on socials at Pod on Twitter, Centrepass Podcast on Facebook. Send us a message. Let us know what you think of the latest episode because we love to hear your thoughts and we'll chat to you next week.